بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمده و نسلی علی رسول القریب اما بعد الحمدللہ today is the 18th of February in the year 2024 Alhamdulillah <coughs> we moved on to the sixth session that we're going through the commentary of the blessed Surah An-Nur and I've reached verse 6 so inshallah going through up to and including verse 9 so it's important to point out that I've already gone through the narrations with regards to the revelation of these verses so there's a few rules and regulations with regards to li'an which I'm going to mention so before that there's another report so the hadith is in Bazar and Imam Siyuti rahmatullah in his Al-Itqan page 67 of the English translation so Hudayfa radiyallahu he said Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked Abu Bakr radiyallahu if you saw another man with your wife Umm Ruman radiyallahu what would you do to him? Abu Bakr radiyallahu replied something evil. He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked a similar question to Umar radiyallahu and Umar radiyallahu answered I would say curses be on the wretch too feeble to kill the man under such circumstances then these verses were revealed i.e. verses 6 to 9 so this is another reason for the revelation of these verses so what's happening so in these verses like I mentioned in the previous sessions Allah Ta'ala is mentioning <coughs> that you need to bring witnesses. If not, you yourself will be whipped 80 times, I for slander. So the question was posed to Abu Bakr. And Abu Bakr said, I would do something evil. Meaning, maybe I'd take the law into my own hands. I wouldn't go around looking for witnesses. But Umar, when he was asked, he said, I curse the one who is too weak to kill that man under such circumstances. Meaning, it goes, if, if the matter is clear and my wife has been only faithful, I'm not going to, you know, dilly-dally as they say. So these verses were then revealed. So now there's a problem. Were these verses revealed due to, like I mentioned in the previous session, the incident of Hilal ibn Umayyah and his wife, or Uwaymar, a second report also in Bukhari or this so the response is mentioned by Hafiz ibn Hajar Askalani so Hafiz ibn Hajar Askalani they said in Imam Suyuti in his Al-Ithqan page 67 of the English translation there is no harm if multiple occasions of revelation are attributed to the same verse so Imam ibn Hajar said there is no contradiction all of these incidents happened very close to each other. So the incident of Sa'ad ibn Ubad al the incident of Hilal ibn Umayyah, the incident of Uwaymar, and this questioning of the two shaykhs by the Prophet happened around the same time. So this is the reason for the revelation of these of these verses. So not the Ghayda ay, not just of Sa'ad ibn Ubad, but also the two shaykhs, radiyallahu 
So now, <coughs> if a woman has indeed been unfaithful, a wife, and then she brings another child into the family, how great a crime, obviously it's a crime, but how great a crime is this? So, our beloved messenger, he said, in Abu Dawood 2-695, Mishkat number 3316, the woman who brings into a people Someone who does not belong to them has nothing to do with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not admit her to paradise. Any man who denies his own child when he is looking at him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will similarly not show himself to him and will expose him before all the people. Astaghfirullah. <coughs> so here the Prophet explains that Allah So there's two categories. The first is a woman who brings a child into a family who doesn't belong to the child, uh, the family, meaning the husband. She's been unfaithful. So the Prophet and of course this is if she doesn't repent. The crime is so great that Allah he washes his hands of her, you know, metaphorically. And she will not be admitted to paradise, meaning she's in deep trouble. And how common is this now, Astaghfirullah? You know, they, I mentioned this uh, a decade or so ago, there was a documentary, and one of they were discussing illegitimate children, and they were actually interviewing women who were obviously, you know, their their identity was protected, and they were all admitting that they have a child who is not the child of their husband, but the husband thinks it's their child. And then one of the statistics they came out with is that one of the schools, I think it was in Birmingham, because one third of the children were illegitimate. <laughs> so this is something, you know, becoming common, but sadly also amongst Muslims. So note, this is all part of the wrath of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But then it mentions a man who denies his own child. So this is obviously if there is no witnesses and you're just assuming your wife's been unfaithful and you'd start doubting that the children are yours, etc, etc. Maybe on those lines, the report is now very severe to the, to the father as well. So not, again, the Prophet's condemnation, Also with regards to Li'an, a woman who has been divorced by Li'an becomes permanently forbidden to her husband even if another man marries her and divorces her it does not become permissible for the first husband to remarry her Rasulullah ruled a couple is separated forever so there's a proof in Darukutni 3-275 Behaki 7-400 with a Sahih chain Sayyidina Sahal ibn Sa'ad radiyallahu he was asked about the woman who was divorced by Li'an. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, La yajtami'ani abada. They may never be joined together again. La yajtami'ani abada. They may never be joined together again. So this is actually unlike a divorce. Because even if a man, a husband and wife get divorced, they can, they can get back together. And we know the procedure. But Li'an, they can never ever come back together. It's a permanent separation. So this is a unique ruling for Li'an, which is important to highlight.
also uh, a further proof in Sayyid Bukhari and Muslim Abdullah ibn Umr radiyallahu anhu he said Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam after he performed li'an between a man and a woman from the ansar he separated them so this is interesting this flawless report who separated them it was the prophet so this is important when it comes to a ruling which I'll mention in a bit inshallah and like I mentioned the hadith uh, in Abu Dawood Behaki and Sahih in Irwa Ul Ghalil number 2104 the prophet said sorry Sahal ibn Sa'ad said concerning the two who make li'an the sunnah has been that the two are separated and may never be reunited. So in this report in Abu Dawood, Sahal is speaking. Another question. When the woman is separated due to Li'an, is she still entitled to her dowry? You've given her a dowry for marriage. So there's a report. This is in Bukhari, Muslim, Nasai, Abu Dawood. Sa'id ibn Jabir, rahmatullahi, he said, I asked Abdullah ibn Umar what happens if a man slanders his wife? He said the Prophet separated the two from the tribe of Ijlan meaning Li'an. He told them Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that one of you is a liar. Would any of you two like to now repent? So this is the, the procedure. One of them is obviously lying. So in the case of Li'an, there's always one person who's lying. You understand? So the Prophet said, one of you is lying. Repent. They both refused. He asked a second time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that one of you is a liar. Would any of you two like to repent? They again refused. He asked a third time, they refused again. Then the Prophet ﷺ, he separated them. So a subnarrator, Ayyub said, Amr ibn Dinar said to me, there is something in that hadith that I do not find you narrate. The man said, what about my wealth? So the separation has taken place and the husband goes, what about my wealth, Ya Rasulullah? My dowry. He was told, there is no wealth for you. If you are speaking the truth, you consummated the marriage with her. If you are lying, you are more not deserving of it. <laughs> so the Prophet Wasallam said, there's only two scenarios to the man. If you're telling the truth, your wife has been unfaithful, but you still had consummated the marriage with her, so the dowry is hers. If she's, if you're lying, he goes, shame on you for even asking that. So there's the wisdom. The dowry is not taken back from the wife. Whether she's guilty or she's not guilty. That's another ruling. What about the child? If the woman is pregnant, the child is attributed only to the mother. The hadith is in Bukhari, Muslim, Nasai, Abu Dawud, Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah. Abdullah Ibn Umr, radiyallahu said, Rasulullah sallallahu executed the li'an between a man and his wife. He denied it was his child. He separated the two and joined the child to the mother. So 
it's the mother whose name is taken, i.e. the father's name is removed. But it's not a blemish, like I said, to the child. Another ruling. The woman involved in Li'an and her child will still continue to inherit from one another. So even though Li'an's separation has taken place, the mother and child can still inherit. Where's the proof? In Sayyid Bukhari, Sayyid Muslim Abu Dawud, Sahal ibn Sa'ad radiyallahu said, the sunnah was that after the two parties were separated and she was pregnant, the child would be attributed to her and called by her name only. The sunnah also mentions that the child would inherit from her and she would inherit from him according to the shares that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has determined. So this is interesting. <laughs> There's a possibility that the child might not be illegitimate. <laughs> but they still inherit only from the mother and the child. It doesn't go to the father. And according to what is prescribed, so the inheritance laws still apply between i.e. the mother and the child. No, the father is not mentioned here. Why? Because separation has taken place. Another thing mentioned about Li'an. What is the Sharia ruling? If a man accuses his wife of adultery, yet they do not submit the case to a judge. So this is another interesting scenario. So a man witnesses the, the sin. He doesn't go to a qadi. Answering this question, Ibrahim al-Nakha'i said, she remains his wife. This is in Abdul Razak in his Musannaf, number 12,411. Meaning that the case does not have the same consequences of Li'an. When a man accuses his wife of committing adultery, then they apply Li'an when she belies him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So it has to go to the authority. If it doesn't go to the authority, then they remain as a couple. But if they go to the authority, then the separation is executed. So this is also fascinating. So this is very applicable now in today's day and age. Who's the authority? Where's the Khilafat? Right? So again, it's not you can't take the law into your own hands. Other things which are mentioned which are very important. Li'an. It must be observed in the presence of a judge or qadi. It is not effective in private company. So you can't start saying, I'll bring my family members over, the learned amongst them. And you start discussing Lian. And one of the elders starts saying, you know, one of you is lying and you go through the whole procedure. Nothing's effective. You're still husband and wife. Lian has to go through the presence of a judge or qadi. Number two, it is the duty of the qadi to awaken the consciousness of both husband and wife to the grave responsibility they are undertaking. Yeah. Like the Prophet would say, one of you is lying. Repent. So the Qadi doesn't just go straight into execution mode. Right. Swear him off. Because he's, he encourages them, look, you know, be fair Allah, you know, give him incentive. Number three, at the conclusion of Li'an, the separation is declared by the Qadi officially. This is the view of Imam Abu Hanifa, which is supported 
by the hadith which I've mentioned. However, there are other jurists who think that Le'an automatically annuls the marriage. So this is a difference of opinion now. So who's got the power to separate permanently the husband and wife? All agree the Qadi. All agree to that. Imam Baba Hanifa says only the Qadi. Even the husband can't separate. The other jurists, they say no. It goes, it can take place because the Sahaba, going back to one report, he goes, I can't stay with it. That means I, you know, I'm going against my own words. But there is a difference here. So, not the Qadi, all agree. Some ulama said the husband as well. Another ruling if the husband, after leveling charge of fornication against his wife, refrains from invoking curse upon himself, which he has to. He will be punished as a slanderer given 80 stripes. Imam Abu Hanifa is of the opinion he should be imprisoned. So this is another thing. So a man convinced his wife's committed zina. The procedure is he has to curse himself if he's lying. If the man goes, no, why should I curse myself? I'm, I'm innocent. So according to some ulama, he is still whipped 80 times. Imam Abu Hanifa goes, no, you, you imprison him. If the woman hesitates, so she doesn't curse herself, she's stoned to death, for it proves her guilt. Imam Abu Hanifa is of the opinion, no, if she hesitates, she's put in prison. So look how beautiful, if you look at the schools, they've done all the work for you. You just comfortably sit back, you know, you, sit, you know, follow the light, isn't it? all the jurists have looked at the Quran and Sunnah, what the Imam said. And here, notice Imam Abu Hanifa is lenient. So why did Imam Abu Hanifa say, if a woman doesn't curse herself, she is not to be stoned, she is to be imprisoned? The reason is, these oaths and imprecations do not stand parallel to four witnesses which are essential to establish the charge of fornication. So simply put, Imam Abu Hanifa says, you have to be absolutely certain to take a person's life. He goes, in this case, the woman has hesitated. You could argue 99.9%. That isn't that proving her guilt. She's not cursing herself. Imam Baba Hanifa goes by that 0.1%. He goes, no, put it in prison. Thus, the general conclusion is that in case of a man, if he hesitates in invoking curse after leveling charges against his wife, he would be punished as a slanderer as he took initiative in accusing her. So who starts the due process is the man. On the other hand, if the wife shows reluctance in invoking the curse after pleading her innocence by taking the oaths, there is reason to treat her guilty, but this reason is not so strong that she, be, she may be considered as a fornicator beyond doubt and punished as such. The judge is to give her benefit of doubt as they are not four witnesses to prove her guilt. So these are some of the rulings with regards to Le'an. And notice is quite detailed, but I wanted to at least expose some of the rulings with regards to the matter. So I'll now go through the verses in English and then I'll recite the verses. So verse 6, Audhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem, Bismillah ar-Rahim. 
and for those who launch a charge against their spouses and have in support no evidence but their own, their solitary evidence can be received if they bear witness four times with an oath by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they are solemnly telling the truth. Verse 7. And the fifth oath should be that they solemnly invoke the curse of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on themselves if they are lying. Verse 8. But it would avert the punishment from the wife if she bears witness four times, i.e. with an oath, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that her husband is telling a lie. Verse 9. And the fifth oath should be that she solemnly invokes the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on herself if her accuser is telling the truth. Verse 10. If it were not for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's grace and mercy upon you and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is off returning full of wisdom, I would have been ruined indeed. So look at the beauty. Allah the Almighty is this explaining in detail how to deal with sexual crimes. So you got the verses, but you need a lot of commentary upon these verses. And the whole scenario can easily be understood with commentary. And look how beautiful to finish. Immediately after telling you what to do in these cases, what does Allah the Almighty then go on to mention in the next verse? He mentions the incident of if the incident of if and the incident of if is the famous incident where Aisha was slandered. Aisha was accused by the chief hypocrites of Allah doing what she had done. So look how beautiful. Immediately after telling you what to do. Allah Ta'ala is now going to reveal verses declaring the innocence of Aisha. And in those verses, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? He reminds the believers of these verses because there was no witnesses. Why were you talking like this? Right? And that's why if you go to the incident of ifk without understanding Surah Nur, you don't know what the hadith is telling you. What's Allah Ta'ala talking about there? There was no witnesses. Now you understand what Allah Ta'ala is referring to. You're accusing an innocent woman of adultery. Where's the witnesses? You need four witnesses. None of that took place. So this is why it was such a great crime that took place. And then Allah Ta'ala obviously revealed verses showing the great innocence of and rank of Sayyidah Aisha, our beloved mother. So I'll decide the verses. And we will conclude. بسم الله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين يرمون المحصنات ثم لم يأتوا بعربعة شهداء فجلدوهم ثمانين جلدت ولا تقبلوا ولا تقبلوا لهم شهادة عبدا وأولئك هم الفاسقون إِلَّا الَّذِينَ تَابُوا مِنْ بَعْدِ ذَلِكَ وَأَصْلَحُوا فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ وَالَّذِينَ يَرْمُونَ أَزْوَاجَهُمْ وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُمْ شُهَدَاءُ إِلَّا أَنفُسُهُمْ فَشَهَادَةُ أَحَدِهِمْ أَرْبَعُ شَهَادَاتٍ بِاللَّهِ إِنَّهُ لَمِنَ الصَّادِقِينَ 
ഹലിഹിയാദീബീൻ ഹുസ്ബിഹാ